Hi guys and welcome back to the Female Fitness Podcast. I'm your host Danny, and today I'm joined by Carly who is also a coach herself. Carly would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and we know you've competed in the past so um, just touch on what you do as a profession and when you last sort of stepped on stage. Sure. So thank you very much, first of all, for having me on. Obviously, really, really pleased and honoured to uh, be invited on the show. Um, but yeah, so I have been coaching for around five years online. Um, so that first um, start, was it five years, four years, something like that. I can't even remember now. Um, so yeah, so I started and in, got into online coaching because my coach at the time, Joe Parrish, uh, decided to uh, branch out and develop a team. Um, so I was very lucky to be asked uh, to come on board with Team J Physique, who I still currently uh, work with now. Um, so predominantly I work with females, uh, mostly like just general population who just want to improve like their body composition so they naturally, you know, get a bit leaner, build some muscle and all that kind of side of things. So I have, um, you know, taken girls through like photo shoot preps and things or just people who obviously just want to look and feel better, improve their confidence, uh, learn how to, you know, train with weights properly and all that kind of things. So I've really... Um, reached out probably to girls who have been like similar to myself who've maybe been like very focused on cardio in the past been a little bit scared to like um, change their way of thinking I suppose and how they do things and um, so yeah so really work with some great girls that way um, I last stepped on stage in 2018 so I've just actually started getting notifications through because it would have been two years now since uh, the Scottish BNBF yeah um, where I so I've competed in the BNBF um, twice, basically. So I did the 2016, that was my first year of competing. I uh, won that show and then um, won again in 2018. So had a, a good run at it, you could say. Um, so yeah, in a nutshell, that's basically a little bit about me and where I kind of developed from. Cool, thank you for that, Carly. So what made you first get into fitness yourself and into sort of changing your body composition and wanting to improve your health so initially um we're going back a long time ago now um i'd always kind of been active as a child but then i had quite a tough upbringing and then i went through like the kind of student lifestyle didn't really look after myself gained a quite a lot amount of weight quite a big amount of weight you know quite quickly i went through to about 13 and a half stone for me you know it was quite heavy Um, I didn't weight train at all at that point or anything like that so um, then yeah so wasn't really happy in myself one day it just kind of flipped a switch and I was like okay this needs to kind of change yeah. um, but I had no idea what I was doing I did the usual like oh I really need to do something here and it was like I'd start a diet fall off so I had no concept of you know, what, what, what I should be doing and then eventually I started to get into a rhythm of things lost a bit of weight and I sat around just comfortable kind of size 12 for a few years and then it was when I got into a relationship that I was almost trying really hard to prove myself in that I really got into the gym he worked offshore at the time so it worked out quite well because he'd be away a lot of the time so I would be like but I've more so got really obsessed by classes at this point so yeah obviously naturally having never lifted a weight in my life you know going to body pump a few times a week and starting to increase my loads that way without knowing what progressive overload was, I was making progressive overload. So I was seeing, you know, I was getting leaner. I, was, I wasn't I was tracking calories. I had no concept of nutrition at that point. 
but you know, I decided to naturally tidy up my diet. I'd never dieted before, so you know, I was seeing so much progress so quickly. Yeah. Very, I have quite an impulsive and quite an obsessive personality anyway, which I suppose makes sense as a competitor. And um, so, yeah, I started to see a lot of change, got really carried away with it. And then because he was away quite a lot, it worked out quite well because I could just spend a lot of that time in the gym. Um, so yeah, I got, you know, I got pretty lean for me at that point and seen a lot of progress um, over the years. I then kind of went from one thing to another to another. So without going too much into it, because I could literally talk all day about that kind of, there was a good few years of really extensive and extreme dieting. Yeah. And, you know, I did think diets like South Beach diet, for instance, and that was, you know, I read the book. So I became obsessed by that. You know, I thought insulin was the devil and <laughs> sugar was the devil you know I remember reading I read that book and at the start the first kind of phase of that diet you had to like cut out all carbohydrates so in my headspace that created this really really bad connotations and um so you know that limitation of carbohydrates you know, I wouldn't even eat a banana because you weren't allowed to eat I think it was something like six grams of sugar you weren't allowed to have like per serving yeah. so obviously fruit was out you know so it really made me think because of course, I lost a lot of weight, especially in that first week when you do it. You know, I lost, I think it's six pounds or something. And I wasn't even really heavy at that point at all. But so I was like, became married on that idea that, oh God, the carbohydrates are the devil and this is how I'm going to see such good progress. So over time, um, it just evolved and I would eat less and less. My activity would go up and up. Like I remember, like if I was to count it up now, it would be like, I was living, I don't even know how I didn't feel garbage for this because I actually did feel really good at the time. But I was only in, you know, under a thousand calories most days. Yeah. I was going to the gym in the morning, doing a class, going to work, and going back to the gym at night. And I was like drinking protein shakes and, you know, having like a small salad at lunch and maybe some boiled eggs throughout the day. You know, it was really not a lot. Um, and that was just what I thought I had to do without having any knowledge of nutrition. So as yeah. you can imagine, over time, that started to really, really backlash because I was doing you know a lot of activity and then I was I started teaching classes as well so I taught um Les Mills classes and when you're a Les Mills instructor you're not just up in front of the class you know telling people what to do you are doing that workout and you've, you're expected to do it at a high standard at a high, quite a high intensity because your class is following you yeah and so over time you know instructors are terrible they underfuel they do far too many classes in the week and they burn out so I remember like going on holidays and reaching the point where I couldn't even train on a holiday because I was so burnt out. You know what? No one talked about deload weeks or anything like that. You know, that wasn't, yeah. I had no knowledge or appreciation of any of these kind of things. So yeah, so over time, my relationship with food, with my body, uh, with training was just not really in a great place. You know, I was really overdoing it, underfueling. Um, I remember I even got to the point where I was like, oh, I'm going to do a marathon. I've done half marathons before. Um, but I was like, cool, I want to lose a bit of weight and this would be a good way to do it. And then I'll, I said I wanted to do a marathon before I turned 13. I was, I think I was 28 at this point. So I was like, cool, let's let's do it. So when I flicked the switch on something and decided to do something, I'm like, I go all in on it. So I did. Um, but I was still teaching, you know, like 12 classes a week or something, plus marathon training. And I remember trying to track only like 30, I don't know where 1300 calories came from, but 1300 calories and I was still restricting carbohydrates. Yeah. And you know and when you think about that now you think oh my goodness what was I playing at but naturally you know I would get to like a Friday and I'd be sitting at my desk I sat I worked in an office at the time I'd be sitting there thinking 
I would be like just hanging that day. I would be so fatigued, so tired. I would turn into like the little sugar monster. And it was like Fat Fridays, you know, the office kind of mentality. So I would always kind of crash and burn those days um, and kind of lead myself to these kind of foods. And I had that really all or nothing mindset where it was like, okay, well, I've had this today. So the full day is written off. And so off I went. But in hindsight and reflection, while that wasn't great, it was the only thing that probably helped me sustain my longer runs on a Saturday. Yeah. So it was probably what helped me with, well, obviously was what helped me with my energy those days. Um, so yeah, so I had to like kind of stop weight training. I'd been dabbling in weight training a little bit before that, um, other than my classes, like body pump and things like that. Um, so I probably lost quite a bit of muscle mass at that point as I also did lose body fat, of course. Um, so I looked like I was sitting maybe then about 64 kilos, but yeah, you could see that I just, you know, my body composition wasn't what I wanted it to then look like. Yeah. So I was like, oh, what that was going to achieve this look, but obviously it completely didn't. So at that time, that was when I decided to, when Coomber was like really, really high in the industry at this point, really, really public. So yeah. he brought out the Body Tech Nutrition Academy and I knew someone who had did it. So I was like, okay, this is a good idea. I'm really interested in nutrition. I want to upskill. I'd done my PT qualifications and things, but I wasn't coaching at that point. But I'd seen, you know, I was seeing people coaching in the gym that I trained at. And I thought, yeah, I was just kind of seeing them like giving people the same workouts, kind of the same, it didn't look great. So I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I want to do this properly. And nutrition, I know, is a massive part of this. So I think that I need to upskill and I'm really interested in it. I had quite a science-based background. I had did chemical engineering when I was younger yeah. um, at university and things. So I was like, like, okay, let's do this. Let's try and learn some more about nutrition. So when I was learning all these things, I was putting pieces together. I was like, oh my goodness, like my calories are so low. This is what I'm doing. This is really detrimental to my health and my body. Um, so I decided to try and take on the advice and things. It was like Rich Cineworld and like Steve Box, Stephen Box that was doing the content. It was really, really good. So I thought, okay, I need to try and apply this to myself now and actually get my health into a better position. So I started kind of trying to raise calories. Um, but mentally, like I was just really struggling. I had all of these really bad relationships with certain foods. Um, I still had a bit of the kind of all or nothing mentality. I couldn't understand how to create this balance for myself, even though I was learning it on the, the theoretical basis. I couldn't practically yeah. apply it myself. So that was at that point, I was like, okay, I need to get a coach here because also I wasn't great you know I'd never really learned a lot about training I had dabbled but there was and there was no one around really um in my area that I could really learn from so I would thought about I was going between kind of Joe Parrish and Stephen Box at the time and I, I knew that I wanted to compete at some point it had always been a huge interest to me I always yeah. you know appreciated these female physiques and they looked fantastic I really wanted to achieve something like that never really thought that I was capable though but I thought you know what I'm gonna give it a try um, and then I remember reaching out to, to Joe because he was sh showcasing a lot of results online and he, they were just, they were unbelievable transformations. Yeah. Wow, I really, really want that. And I remember reaching out to him and then I didn't even get back to him. It was so rude. But I was just so scared when I did that. And it was like, oh, no, no, I can't do this. I, I can't do that. And it was that way I didn't believe in myself enough to do it. Um, and I felt really embarrassed that, you know, oh, you won't want to work with someone like me. Um, but anyway, a couple of months later, I was like, I'm still not really getting anywhere. I'm still too scared to do all these things. And I really want to learn how to train properly. So finally reached out, hired him as a coach, explained that I had the thought that I potentially wanted to compete at some stage soon. 
but I really needed to learn how to train, get my relationship with food better and increase my caloric intakes. Um, and um, took it from there, you know, he took me through the process. I was so bought into it, I absolutely loved it. I was then starting to see progressions in my physique and my strength, you know, my logbook numbers were increasing. I had structure, I, was, I then went to him for one-to-one -one sessions as well, because I just wanted to learn as much as I possibly could at that moment in time. So yeah, so all just kind of grew arms and legs from there. That went to him probably in, I think it was the August. We started prep then in the January um, and um, leading into my first show, that was 2016. Yeah, cool. So Carly, did you do a bit of an improvement season sort of phase then before you transitioned into that prep? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so as soon as I started with him, I was like, okay, we've only got X amount of time to get your calories higher. So I had only managed to get my calories to, I think it was around 1800. Um, but bearing in mind, I was still teaching, you know, like 12 to 15 classes a week, as well as then trying to incorporate weight training, recovery, you know, it was just, I was a bit like, okay, I need some help with this. So I actually just went on a meal plan um, at that moment in time, because I just thought, you know what, I don't even want to have to think about this. I just want to be given something quite prescribed that I can be a little bit more robotic too, because then I wasn't seeing it and having to plan it for myself and have that yeah. fear in that like I would almost probably start restricting and taking some calories out um, because I was a little bit nervous of it. So uh, I had a really good meal plan to be fair and I still tracked my calories with my macros anyway to so uh, to give me more education around what that would look like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we did that for like the six months um, and I had already, you know, been weight training previous to that, just not as great. So I had already had a lot of muscle tissue, even just from doing like a lot of body pumps and things, to be honest. Um, so in that first six months though, because I hadn't been training properly in the gym, the progressions I've seen, as you can imagine, more as a kind of newbie, it was unbelievable the, the progress that yeah. I made. Um, we got my calories into quite a good place. I did have to gain, I did gain a lot more, bit, bit more body fat than I would have liked, but in the short period of time that we had to really get my calories higher to then be in a better position to start a prep, um, I wasn't that fussed because at that time I had such a different outlook on it I had such a different you know I was so excited to see myself getting stronger we just took the scales out of it like I would it yeah. was just it was too quite stressful so by taking the scales out of it it was almost like I could ignore that even though I could see like my clothes changing and stuff like that but so yeah so that was that kind of six months started the prep in the January and then started dieting down for that first prep. Cool so during your time competing did you feel like, were you perhaps quite extreme in a lot of ways? Did they have, did you have to push quite hard to get stage lean? Yeah. Yeah. The, because my activity levels were already so high. Obviously you can imagine how efficient I was then at expending energy through all these classes. So I was still teaching classes all the way through my preps. My first prep, I came down to 1200 calories, which I suppose for some people, isn't that low but then I was still teaching you know all these yeah. classes my step count was pretty high at that point I couldn't remember now how many steps I was on or whatever and we did have to push a little bit more cardio just more like stairmaster and things like that towards the end of that prep just to kind of keep things moving but my body just got to a point even though I won that show my condition was great on top uh, I always carried a lot more in my lower half so trying to get my legs in was just such a struggle um even just going on to the british finals continuing to diet it was just like they just weren't you know that way it just felt like they weren't responding anymore 
um, I'd really like, and even when it came to the British finals, I did even start to look over dieted as well by that point. Yeah. Um, so coming away from that prep, I actually did want to prep for 2017 as well. But I ha- like I, having never done a prep before and having to push that hard, and because the BNBF Scottish show is the first show, that was all, that's always the June. The finals aren't until September, October time, so you're hanging on for a really long time. Yeah. And even just mentally, um, mentally and physically, your full body really, really takes that. And I had no appreciation for that. I had ne- never experienced that before. So even in the months after that, sh- the British finals, my motivation to train was at a really, really low level. Um, really struggling to then um, just get energy back and just get like strength back. So having tried trying to get back into a prep in 2017, my head just wasn't in it. Um, yeah. And the best thing I could have done was obviously take that time off, kind of get calories back into a better position, get training back on track. And even just body composition wise, having then been lean for that first time, you then obviously get to see your body properly and go, okay, this is what I need to develop and I need to progress on. And then you've got some time to then obviously, you know, put that energy into that and focus on on that for that period of time before. Yeah. And did you have a regular menstrual cycle before you actually entered that first prep? No. So what happened there? I mean, looking back over the years, it's absolutely no wonder. Um, so I actually came off the pill um, in my early 20s or whatever it was. Yeah. And for about a year and a half, I had no menstrual cycle. And I just put it down to, like, you know, I, I went through a broke breakup, didn't need to be on the pill. I'd got put on the pill when I was... 14 or 15 to regulate my menstrual cycle which is a, what, something that happens to a lot of females at a young age yeah. because they're quite heavy and that should never have been happening but it did um so I had just come off because I thought I really don't feel comfortable with this been on it for a really long time and then when I never got my cycle back I honestly did just think it was because I had been on the pill for such a long time so yeah. after that I went to the doctors to get my smear tests and I just mentioned okay so yeah I've not had a menstrual cycle for this long and they said, well, that's quite a long time, actually. So they did some blood work, um, but then they just never really done anything. They were just like, okay, we don't really know why you've not had a cycle, um, but it's probably just because you're active and you're healthy. And they didn't seem concerned. So I just thought, oh, that's a bit strange. But I didn't think anything else of it. No one was talking about it then. So I was just like, okay, off I went. And then I went back again, because I still never had a cycle. And the doctor was like, okay, that's a bit strange. We'll do some blood work again. So they did some blood work. And again, she was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what to do. So she then um, said, oh, well, why don't we put you on um, the pill again? Because it's quite dangerous to go with low levels of estrogen for or without a cycle for too long. And that didn't sit well with me. So I thought, well, why am I going to put something else into my body that could potentially affect things further? So for some reason, she was like, okay, well, let's try putting you on even the, the implant for a while. So I was like, okay. So for some reason, I just, I was just, I thought she obviously was, would be right with what she was saying. So I put, yeah. I, I took the implant for that three years. And then when I came off that first prep, um, well, actually what had happened that time was she put the implant in and then she'd also referred to the endocrinologist she'd, or the gynecologist and wrote a letter basically just, or email, whatever. And then I got a letter saying um, that basically said not to leave it too late to try for children because they didn't know what the problem was and obviously if they needed inter- interventions and things. So that never sat well with me. And I remember going back to the doctors thinking, okay, I'm quite nervous about this letter that I've been saying. And now I've got this implant in my arm. I'm really not sure what I should be doing. And it was a male doctor that I got and he just 
wrote me off. It was like, I went in and he just made me feel, he belittled me and just was like, well, what's the problem? You don't have a cycle. Like, is that not a good thing? And I was like, okay. And I thought, well, this does just didn't, it just didn't seem right. But he was just like, well, it was almost like I was wasting his time. Like, what was I there yeah. for? Um, so I was just a bit like, I came out there, it was just like, you know, you're not trying for a child. You don't have a menstrual cycle. You don't have to deal with the hormonal fluctuations, you know, as if like, what is the problem here? So I was like, okay. So I kind of went off on my way and I was just a bit like, just felt really lost to be honest. And it was quite, you know, I just, so I just left it. I just had no idea what to do. And so then after that first prep, I was due to get that implant out. So I got the the implant out and I said, listen, I'm really like still uncomfortable with this. I said, I still don't really understand why I was put on this in the first place. You know, how am I meant to finally, you know, get my menstrual cycle back when I've got this anyway? But I didn't really, at that point, I didn't have any concept or understanding of, you know, what dieting had done to my body and that I was probably, yeah. what it was like, really negative connotations with that. So I started kind of looking into it um, for myself. Uh, but again, I was struggling to really understand everything. And then I kind of started coming across things on like no period, now what, like the Nicola and all these things. And then I thought, okay, well, I have a decision to make here. Because I really knew that I wanted uh, to prep, and I wasn't feeling a lot of the negative health implications, and I wasn't aware of the negative implications really until after that second prep, when I really went all in on researching it because of a lot of the experiences that I had. Um, so yeah, like it's actually quite terrifying. I was terrified after I did that second prep. You know, I did a, had a great prep uh, the first start of the year. It was all fine. I looked the best I'd ever looked. My condition was insane this time. Like I had striations through my glutes, through my quads. I took the Scottish show out of like an amazing lineup. But as I was going towards the British finals, I just felt like something was really off. Yeah. I started to feel really low, very depressive. And my anxiety really flared up. Um, my hair and my nails were so brittle. Like I was going to the hairdressers and she was like, Carly, your hair is breaking. And she was like, I don't even want to keep putting blonde through this because it's really, really snapping. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know what to say. So um, I was having to really push a lot harder in that prep as well. And I, like, I remember like not even sweating, you know, see, since that, yeah. well, that, that prep, it was like, my, I, I hadn't realised it because like I say, I felt okay, but like I wasn't even sweating. I still felt cold, even though I hadn't been on prep for a while. Um, so obviously my hormones had really reached a lower level and I hadn't been aware of it until the end of that kind of second prep. So yeah, everything really took a nosedive. I got my hormone levels checked and my estrogen was just extremely low. Yeah. And so I started to get quite nervous and quite scared about that. My mental health as a result took, um, like it wasn't just because of that, but I could always feel when my estrogen dropped. I'm obviously really affected by the hormone fluctuations. Um, and towards the end of that second prep, like towards the British, I was just a mess. I just felt like my body was just not even working with, I wasn't working with my body anymore. It was fighting against me mentally and physically. Um, so once I finished that prep for the British, even at the British finals, I, I still took fifth um, and got my trophy and whatever, but I just looked over dieted, I lost muscle mass. Um, and just things were in a really bad like felt like they were in a really horrible position so I thought you know what yeah. I'm going to start I'm going to really really reverse diet here I'm going to focus on my health um, and I started reverse diet and got my push my calories right up straight away but my body 
was just like was, wasn't catching up quick enough my like motivation to train was still extremely low my energy was still really low and everything like I say just really was highly impacted um I didn't really even though I knew what I had to do because I'd read the book I started reading the book I started understanding why it was so important I still just really struggled with practically implying that because I think I had been on prep for such a long time I almost put myself in this little box like that had become my identity you know I was terrified of gaining the weight I knew I had to gain weight back I was living this unsustainable lifestyle I knew the science I was a coach I knew I couldn't live in that body anymore but I was terrified of gaining weight because I just I thought I looked terrible in my head I felt terrible so therefore I looked terrible naturally I was seeing myself gaining weight and I'd been you know I'd been in this tiny body I'd been lean since I came in really early so it was probably like March April time I looked really really lean and then you're now you're like you're talking October November time from the British finals you yeah. know so my perception of what was reality was totally warped. Yeah. and after that first show Carly so um you obviously did your Scottish qualifier quite early in the year did you pretty much maintain close to stage lean like all that year yeah for both preps yeah you don't have time you know like that's June and then the British finals for 2016 was like end of September and then 2018 it was like the start of October yeah so even though you get like a month really to kind of kind of bring calories up a little bit it's not enough like especially if you've pushed hard in that prep the diet fatigue and accumulation of fatigue is quite high um, especially that second prep, I would say, because I was so, so lean in that one. Yeah. Um, you know, hanging on for the, you know, if you're hanging on for a month, like, it's not so bad. But hanging on, you know, all the way through till the October, you, you maybe only gained a couple of kilos, which wouldn't have been body fat, really. It was just extra, like, you know, once you get more glycogen and water and whatever. Yeah. And then I basically did, was still really lean. And then, you know, you're, you're back in, into prep. Yeah. And so did you start sort of looking into books like No Period Now, What, etc. through that second prep whilst you were in the sort of depth of the prep, if you want to call it that? Yeah, not, I didn't read the book until after it, but I was aware of her like social media and our blogs and stuff. And um, so I'd been kind of looking up different bits of information. And I think that's where I was really struggling to maintain and keep my head in that last prep because I just felt terrible and I knew exactly why and I knew what was going on and I knew what I was going to have to change and work on my health afterwards I just felt a bit all over the place yeah and yeah like I say I was coming off that prep thinking okay it's fine I'm going to do this now this is what's going to happen I'm going to work on my health I'm going to make sure I get my menstrual cycle back because it's been so long and I'm not going to get any help you know, with even with the NHS, I'd been to fertility, I'd been to the gynecologist, and just nobody was really. It was like it's like there's a massive gap and um, for help and for ladies with hypothalamic amenorrhea is obviously what it's called. So, you know, no one even told me that's what I had. Yeah. You know, until really late on. So, um, so yeah, I knew kind of what I had to do, but you know, even just applying that afterwards, because I was trying to, I was trying to tell myself, okay, I want to work on health. I need to gain this weight back. This is what I need to do. This is what needs to happen. But then mentally, because I was so used to looking this certain way, even the slightest gaining weight, you know, you notice it. And I think as well, when you go through that transition from stage and you're gaining weight back at the start, you do look a bit rubbish. You look, yeah. 
bit puffy, don't you? Yeah. Um, so seeing yourself like that, um, it was just quite hard, I would say. I, and I was a lot, I put far, basically I just put too far too much pressure on myself, as a lot of females do, I think. I think I was just a little bit too extreme with it. Even though I knew what I had to do, I just mentally, it was the biggest struggle to do. Yeah. So you started this reverse diet and did you continue to sort of stick to that? Did you continue to track your macros for like a significant period of time post-show? Yeah, I would say that, but there was days, there was sometimes I would fall away, like I'd have a day and I would just lose lose myself completely. Like I was trying to kind of almost reverse diet. And then there was maybe like sometimes where I was, I'll be honest, I was I didn't enter like a binge eating disorder, but my disordered eating behaviours were really heightened at this point. And I was really struggling not to binge. Like I yeah. can understand, I used to read up on like, or see people that have, you know, had binge eating disorders after like serious preps and things. And I never understood it. I was just a bit like, oh, like how can you not just reverse diet type thing? I didn't understand the mentality because I'd never been there myself. But I remember eating and my hunger signals being so off that I almost hated when I started eating because I wasn't too hungry. I'd be hungry, but not like the hunger that I had when I then started eating. Um, and once I started, I just didn't want to stop. So I had to like take myself out for walks just to stop myself from overeating. And it was really stressful. Like I remember being out for walks and just thinking like, I just want to cry because I just feel like I'm not in control of myself. Um, and then I was then, like I say, I was, if there was a day that I ate a little bit more, I would then be like, okay, well, I should have really just accepted okay I've ate a bit more today like it's a completely normal I think this is the thing like I used to see binge eating as this like really negative connotation but the thing is it's completely natural and normal for your body to want to make you binge because your body wants to retain get back to the, completely your body wants to be back at a, a, a healthy position you want yeah. to have homeostasis whereas I used to find this like I used to beat myself up so much for this and give myself such a hard time and um, so like I would try and claw back so I was almost entering not it wasn't the binge restrict cycle but it was close like I would, yeah. if I were even a little bit I'd be like oh no like I need to try pull my calories back down but is that that's just not what your body needs at that point you need to be in a place where if you overeat that day accept it move on your body is going to have to gain this weight back anyway accept it like yeah I was trying to keep my body weight and keep myself in a smaller body than where my body wanted to sit naturally and that was a massive problem. Yeah. And also, like you said, it's a natural process. Your body wants to regain body fat after a show. The goal is not to try and stay as close to stage lean as you possibly no. can. That's not what a re- reverse diet is all about. And I think that's something which a lot of people get confused. They think, oh, I'm reverse dieting. So that means I'll stay as lean as I possibly can because I'm yeah. staying really structured with it. But in reality, the goal of a reverse diet is to get your food back up and regain body fat so that you're healthy again yeah Yeah, absolutely and I think for me like you're looking around you at all these other competitors and while I actually say all the time comparison is a thief of joy don't look at everybody else you know to other to my clients I can always say that no problem but I even find myself doing this where you know I remember reading it was someone that's a really high like and reputable coach saying you know you should maybe sit you should only sit about five kilos above your stage weight and I remember thinking I can't sit there like that's so low and then so then I was thinking when I looked around at seeing that kind of information and then seeing other competitors sitting maybe three four kilos above stage weight then I would give myself this really hard time and be like okay well I should try and sit here 
but from you're not that person like your body if your body doesn't want to sit there it's not going to sit there you're not going to regain a menstrual cycle you're not going to regain all your health your physical like all your hormone levels if you're trying to push yourself to be sit somewhere that your body is not happy or comfortable with yeah so when do you feel like the turning point was that you really decided to sort of commit to improving your health and regaining your menstrual cycle when was that and how did you go about that okay so I knew I had to do it like I say and I started (laughs) the pro I was really really silly with it Um, and this is where like I was reading the book and it was talking about you know people a lot of people do go like half in um, initially so what I actually did which was so silly but I just had I had to do it in stages I couldn't just change everything so what I did was and this is still like I say like ridiculous but I stopped teaching my classes so I just put all of my classes on hold because that intensity and that amount of volume going through my body and um, so what I did was in the January or was it the February, something like that. I stopped all my classes, decided, okay, this needs to change. Pushed my cal, like kept my calories at a reasonable level, but there was still some days that I was like, you know, I wasn't a massively hungry person anyway. Like my appetite was, I could eat a lot, but I was never like really, really hungry. So it'd be like, it felt wrong to eat when you weren't wanting food as such. So my calories were still not as consistent as they should have been. And so because I then stopped my class I was like oh no I can't do this so I was always I always jumped in and out of CrossFit anyway so I started doing like three four CrossFits a week because to me at that moment in time I was like okay this is probably still a little bit too much because it's quite high intensity but I really enjoy it and I love the competitive edge the group fitness aspect and it's still less volume than doing you know 12 classes a week so in my head at that moment in time, I was like, okay, this is just what I need to do just now. And you almost want to be that exception to the rule, don't you? You always think, well, maybe yeah. that'll work for me because I'm still changing my lifestyle. I'm still increasing my calories a little bit. I'm still resting a little bit more. But obviously I was getting, I was getting nowhere, you know, I wasn't improving. Um, and I was still, my motivation to even weight train was still really low. I just wasn't like really regaining. I still felt really low, still felt, like I say, my mood when my, I always know when my estrogen is really low. Like even when I had like PMS there and like my estrogen being low really does impact how I feel. So I always knew as soon as, you know, I was like that, I'd, it's like I hit a brick wall. I'd feel really low, quite anxious, really tired, fatigued, motivation low to even walk. So I was, so I was getting these feelings all the time coming back, but I'd still keep forcing things on. So the turning point eventually was when I got my hormone levels checked again, I was getting them done through MediChecks. So I was like, I'll go and get them done again because the NHS, they only um, tell you that you're under the threshold for estrogen. If you're under 70, they won't give you your readings. They can't. So I was going to MediChecks because they were telling me, and again, my estrogen was so, so low. And I was just like, this isn't working. I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not even enjoying my training. I'm kidding myself on that, you know, mentally it's making me feel better. It's really not. Nothing was making me feel good. So I decided that, okay, right, I need to just do this. But then I felt a little bit confused as well because I was like, well, I'm not going to stop weight training completely. Even if I go in there, it's the gym environment's massive to me. It means a lot to me. Even going in there and training. And I thought, I felt like a bit of a fraud as well if I was a coach. How could I not be training? Um, so, and then also gaining weight, that even that mentality struggle was a struggle as a coach because then I wouldn't, look this, I wouldn't look the part or I felt I didn't look the part. So there was that pressure. 
So I was like, okay, I'll continue to weight train, even if it's three times a week, and I'll continue to, to do my step count. So I actually hopped on a call um, with Nicola Rinaldi, the lady who wrote the book. Yeah. And I was like, okay, listen, this is my situation. And I just wanted to get her advice. But she advised that I should completely reduce how much weight I lifted to like 10 pounds. And I was thinking to myself, like I do RDLs with 100 kilos, like thinking to myself, how am I going to do that? Like mentally, that would be even more of a struggle. And I just felt like it was a little bit too much. I thought, surely I don't need to do all of this if I'm going to stop training with any all intensity with, you know, keeping my heart rate lower. She also said like, I should keep my heart rate under 100. And I was like, how am I going to do that? Like I would be a bit of that just going for a walk, surely. So, and then raised my calories to like 3000. And for me, that's massive. So she was like two seven to three thousand, I would say. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do this because I just need to try and do everything because I've tried things, nothing's working. So I was doing going around that kind of number, um, but it was just I just resented the full process. I was still highly stressed about it because I just felt I was throwing pushing foods in that I didn't want to eat. I was really really full all the time. I then wasn't doing any training that I really enjoyed. I was just like going in there thinking, should I even be doing this? Because it was just the information just felt like it was really unclear. So through that book, it's good because it is research. She has done a lot of research and she's put a lot into the book, but I still felt like it's a little bit too much because you could see, I could see other competitors around me getting their menstrual cycles back from still training. So for a period of time, I did just feel a little bit all over the place. I got my shin checked again and it was even lower. And really? I was like, yeah, it was even lower. And I just thought, I remember getting those results. I'd literally just walked out the gym and um, you get like the email notification to say that your results are in. So I was like, oh, cool, I'll just check this. And I had, I had felt off when I took them, to be fair. I knew my shin was a little bit lower, but I hadn't expected this to happen. So it was really, really low. I was, I'd never seen it so low. And I just went and just started crying. I just sat and cried in my car thinking, nothing's working. I'm doing all this. This is so stressful. I was at the heaviest body weight I'd been at for such a long time. And I just felt like I was getting nowhere and it was just the most horrible feeling. So I came home and I spoke to my partner about it because I was just beside myself. Like, I don't think he could have heard me like what I was even trying to say because I was crying so hard. Um, and luckily we had the, our holiday booked um, for like a week later. And I just think going on that holiday and actually relaxing was the best thing that could have ever happened. Yeah. Because I was more like I was relaxed. I wasn't thinking about the process. I was away from it. Um, I was away from everything because uh, I was obviously still putting so much pressure on myself thinking about it you know resenting the process feeling like people were judging me and people probably weren't even didn't even care but in my head as a coach and as this you know had this identity and whatnot I just was just feeling like it was just I was getting nowhere with it because I was just stressing so much about it so yeah being away there just relaxing actually because I'd without even meaning it I was really isolating myself from a lot of people yeah and um, you know my relationships took a massive turn and um, because I just didn't want to see or speak to anybody because I felt like I had no energy my brain function was massively affected um anyway so I just closed off from everything to be honest I was feel like I say I was feeling really really low but I think just that like reconnecting with my partner actually being open and telling him how I was really feeling um and yeah I came back from a holiday and that was in September my cycle came back in the October really was yeah. that September 2019 so the year yeah. after you competed yeah so because obviously the year that I competed was 2018 that was like October yeah um, 
I was a bit all over the place until like the January when I decided okay something needs to change here because I was just like I say I felt really low and like I honestly worried I was really suffering from depression yeah um, and it just impacted a lot of areas so it ended up basically being like a year after you competed that you regained your cycle which is not that uncommon if you go through something like you did such a long extended prep um so what did you do after that holiday did you sort of continue the process or yeah um I just came back and I just like I say I just was had to be more open with myself and with Ryan that I wasn't you know I was still stressing far too much about it so I think just coming back like I say coming back feeling real relaxed um I went back came home I still continued to train but I just stopped putting pressure on myself I just felt a little less of life come back like not that constant pressure like oh I should do this I should do that or I just kind of relaxed and went with the flow a little bit more and then my mental cycle came back like couldn't believe it and then um continue like you're due to continue read some you're meant to make sure that you have three cycles before you change anything in your lifestyle so continue to make sure I got my three cycles back um, and then after that you know started to increase um, activity levels again I didn't like a calorie deficit as such I just kind of tidied up like brought down my nutrition a little bit brought to where I was a little bit more comfortable but I just felt I felt a bit nervous at the start because I was a bit like okay I'm going to increase my activity again because I want to do some CrossFit again because I loved all that kind of stuff like I love training with intensity I love jumping about like a mad woman plus lifting heavy so I was like okay I'm going to do this first and then I'll tidy up my body composition later on but then I didn't get to that because then I feel pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you came back off holiday, did you continue to follow the process of eating like almost 3,000 calories and not training quite so intensely? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I kept on 3,000. At the start, I was going to 270, 3,000, depending on where I was at. Um, and then I brought it down to about two, three to two, five, because um, yeah. that was still at least more than maintenance for me. Um, and then I had read some content from someone else saying that you don't actually need to eat this minimum of two, five. That's just a very ballpark figure. So working out my maintenance and things and taking it from there, um, I ate between t- kind of two, three and two, five at that point. Yeah. And literally, I just kept training intensity low and still worked on strength to some capacity, but not too much and just went for walks. And that's really cool because it just goes to show how individual the process of regaining your menstrual cycle is. Like there's no, there's no one size fits all blanket rules. No. And, and that's it's, re- it. it's really refreshing to hear that because there will be a lot of people, I think, who don't have to go to the same extent of maybe for some people it's appropriate, you know, to hit that threshold of 2,500 calories every single day. Um, But for other people, it it might not be necessary. And I don't think you have to take quite so as extreme of an approach depending on who you are and what your situation is. Yeah, completely. I just didn't know. And it's hard to know because you don't know what your body needs. And then you're hearing you're getting all this information and then I was also on the Facebook community group that there is for the no period now what and there's uh, uh, to be fair I had to stop looking at it because it was a bit much for me and um, but because there's people recovering from eating disorders and things like that in there and people were actually starting to stress me out too much because they were saying no no you have to do this you have to do that and there's some people in there that just took it a little bit too much like we all in approach like I suppose if you followed like Stephanie Buttermore she 
did the all-in approach but it was more to fix her hunger hormones and she was just eating like a ridiculous amount of food to help her hunger and for me that just didn't sit well with me that that would have stressed me out more you know for some people might enjoy doing it that way because it helps them get food freedom and but it wouldn't have done that for me that would have been stressful because to me I'm like well that's not really what health is either because then you're just ramming donuts in your face and ice cream and I understand no foods are off limits completely but that would not have made me feel good eating unhealthy foods well quote-unquote unhealthy foods um so yeah I think that everybody does have to find an approach like it's more about just making sure you've got enough energy available because low energy availability is what's caused this in the first place so it's about eating in a way that's sustainable comfortable for you stressing less resting more and just your body will decide when it's when it's comfortable and when it's happy yeah Um, and you mentioned stress there as well and that you know it's another huge impacting factor on your hormones and I think a lot of people will think okay so if I just increase my calories and I train less I'll recover and I'll regain my menstrual cycle well in reality you have to manage stress you have to make sure you're sleeping properly and all of that plays a massive influence and like you said when you went on that holiday and you relaxed and you reduce stress it was after that that your cycle returned yeah because even on a subconscious level I was stressing so much and I hadn't realized how much I was stressing and yeah. it's not it's all on reflection that you realize and go yeah okay that makes so much more sense even though it's staring you in the face it's like that light bulb moment isn't it it's like that's so like that's smacking me in the face but I couldn't see it and then when yeah. you can you're like okay yeah so this it was the stress factor that was massive for me as well for sure yeah, and it's funny you should mention that actually because recently I I did my sports nutrition diploma and when I when my deadline was due the last few weeks I missed a cycle and then I handed the piece of work in and the day after I handed it in and got my results my cycle came back. Wow. So I missed a cycle because of stress yeah. and it actually just returned as soon as I handed that piece of work in. So it's yeah. just another example of how much stress can impact things. Yeah, completely. Um, That's why, you know, you hear of so many people losing their cycles and it isn't through, it isn't, you know, a lot of people do obviously through diet and exercise yeah. and things because um, of like low energy availability, that stress component on the body. But it's not just that. There's a lot of like, how many people do you know that lose their cycles through the, when they're going through a stressful time in their life and it's not diet and exercise related at all? Yeah, exactly. So when you regained your menstrual cycle, was it like regular straight away? No. So I never had um a proper regular cycle like the first cycle was like 29 days and then it was like 33 so it wasn't like massively different but it wasn't it wasn't like 28 days or anything like that I don't know if that would then potentially start to regulate more because then I had you know I had like like say one cycle at like 29 one at 33 I think there was one at like 35 and then 31 something so it was all not it was yeah it was within a normal range anyway yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. fairly regular for you and that's another good point you know everyone's cycle is different just yeah, because yours isn't 28 days doesn't mean that something is wrong mm-hmm. yeah that's it some people have shorter cycles some people have longer um, and as long as they're not you know without the ranges you know, we won't, don't need to go into the numbers here but there is a range of cycles that they could class as quote-unquote normal um, and as long as you are sitting within that then you know you're absolutely fine yeah and now you found out you're pregnant which is fantastic and it just goes to show how 
the process has paid off for you and you are fully healthy again yeah yeah completely like so when I first wanted to regain my cycle it was it was a part of that was for fertility because I wanted to obviously you know I'm going to be 34 this year um, and I wanted to know that things you know when we decided to start a family things would be okay and um, but it was more at the start it was from a health um, component side because obviously having read how much your menstrual cycle really does dictate your health from a lot of things not just from you know there's moods um your like well say like your hair your nails it's your fertility it's also like bone density and um, retention because as we age we lose that as well and you know there's people that lose their menstrual cycles and then they, they get osteoporosis so there's all these scary health components that no one talks about and um, so I was just you know I really wanted to fix all of those and um, but then yeah like we were very fortunate that we have uh, now conceived and yeah it's pretty surreal I can't I still you know I'm pregnant now and it's I just can't really believe it yeah <laughs> yeah so to sort of summarize the positives what are all the positive points that have come from you prioritizing your health and regaining your menstrual cycle yeah there's a lot for sure like I was obviously really consumed by trying to be smaller by trying to look a certain way by really controlling all the variables around my food and um, so really tracking macros really restricting calories and macros obviously had a lot of food fear over the years that I had to really come back and fix um, and you know even at that I had a lot of like I say I had a lot of the all or nothing kind of mindset as well at stages you know I couldn't didn't even though I understood like calories even when I did understand calories and macros I was still really scared by eating you know that bit of cake or whatever that looked like so I just feel like it really gave me a lot more control around my own thoughts and feelings about food and body image I now don't you know I just don't feel like that anymore like I feel a lot more relaxed I don't feel like like health and fitness should complement your life whereas for me I allowed that to dictate far too much of my life and as a result of that my relationships suffered not like you know with friends with family my social life um, and I was constantly in my head. I was, you know, like as a competitor, you know, you get quite obsessed by chicken mirrors. That never really left me. So yeah. I feel like that pressure that I used to put on myself and that self-worth now isn't dictated to by how I look to that extent. You know, obviously I still yeah. want to feel and look confident and all that kind of side, you know, body image and body composition means a lot to me and you know, that will never change. Um, but now it doesn't, you know, have that hold over me. Yeah. And that's so good to hear. And what are, what would you say have been the hardest things about prioritizing your health and going through this process? And what advice would you give to people going through this process to help them deal with those things? Yeah, so definitely gaining weight um, was a really hard part, especially when you I think when you work in the industry as well, there is a lot of pressure there because you are expected to kind of look a certain way. You know, people come to you, you know, even if you have the best knowledge, like people don't see that on social media and, you know, obviously they read your content, but they don't really care about that as much as they care about how you look. They see how you look and think, oh, sure, she looks really good. I want to look like that too. Or, you know, so there was that pressure that I obviously put a lot of that on myself, but it was always there. So, I um, really struggled with gaining weight and that thought process of, you know, having to eat past satiety um, was a really big struggle um, and finding what worked for me. Because again, you know, like I say, 
we were saying just there that you're like, well, what is the right protocol? Do I need to eat this amount of calories? Do I need to take it to that extreme or can I do this? So yeah, I would just say for someone who has to go through this process, accept that, yeah, you might need, you're going to have to get a little bit uncomfortable in your body composition potentially. And um, just like, you know, be consistent with it. Listen to your body, find what works. Like don't continue to, like the stress factor, like I say, it was really, really big, you know, and that was really, um, you know, would, could have maybe got my cycle back sooner if I hadn't been as stressed. I really don't know, but potentially yes. Um, so yeah, just try and work with your body and just allow yourself to actually train for enjoyment. Allow yourself to take rest. Don't keep fighting against it. If you need to take more rest because you're, and the motivation's not even there anyway, stop fighting against it. Like, cause that's exactly what I was doing was still pushing myself into the gym, even though I didn't want to train that day, but I'll assume I've got four sessions in a week or whatever. So I need to train today. So yeah, just real, allow yourself to just take some time, especially after a show. If you've competed or even got like Photoshop, photo shoot lean, your body's gone through a lot to get to that yeah. stage. So your body's going to need a recovery process off the back of that. And you just need to accept that and not like, I thought that, you know, once I got my food into a good place again, I'd be like, right, cool. My motivation would be back. My strength would be back instantly. And that's just not the case. And that's not how it works. Yeah. It's like post-show when uh, people will say things like, oh, all the food has gone to this area or like, they'll they'll say now I'm consuming this my lifts have shot up when in reality I know post-show I am so weak like so weak and it takes a long time to recover from that so for sure you're not gonna feel superhuman straight away no no it takes a lot longer than I think when whatever you think it's going to take add on a lot more time because I remember seeing people saying oh my strength's returning and I remember thinking, oh my goodness, how? Like, I still feel like garbage. So again, it's that don't compare your where you're at to someone else's because it's completely different. And it's so hard when you are constantly reminded on social media of what's going on or you see other people. And um, you really cannot compare where your journey's at to someone else's. And like, that's, that's exactly it. Like, if you're not enjoying what you're doing or you're trying to force something then it's it's just not there and it's you can't you can't make it be there yeah and I think something else which influences the sort of how long it takes to regain your menstrual cycle and the likelihood of you actually losing it is you know you said you had dieted for extended periods of time in the past even before competing yeah Yeah. and that can obviously predispose you to the the likelihood of losing your menstrual cycle so that's something mm-hmm. that people need to take into account. It's not just about the prep itself. It's about what happened before that prep. Absolutely. Like the, that, oh, that whole saying of prepare to, like prep to prep is massive. Like dieting history has a huge hold on what's going to happen in that prep. And if you're not in a great place physically and mentally to go through a prep, like, like I didn't foresee any of what could have happened to me throughout that prep. Like I felt fine. I thought I was going to go through it and be fine but like I say like there's a lot happened that I could not have ever have expected so yeah like prep to prep even not even when you're going through like a show prep like even if you just want to diet like how many people's even just general population like you get ladies that have maybe like they're just like in their early 30s but they've been trying to diet similar to me you know since their late teens early 20s and trying to get their buy-in to like understand no like you're not in a great position right now is so difficult yeah but it's an absolute game changer like you said and 
it's just so important. And when we refer to prep, like you said, it applies to people who are just dieting anyway, especially people that diet to the point where they're incredibly lean. Just because they're not stepping on stage doesn't mean that that process is not detrimental. There are sacrifices that you're making to your health when you're getting peeled, especially as a woman. Mm, for sure. And, everyone, and again, everybody is so different. There was research done on um, I can't remember all the numbers or the, even the research paper, but it was research done to kind of see how it affects different people. And I think the average came out at 17% body fat as being a kind of ballpark figure for where people would sit before they lose their menstrual cycle. Obviously, some people, you know, can sit a lot leaner. You know, there's people that can sit really lean and still be healthy, strong, yes. have a functioning menstrual cycle. And then there's people that lose their menstrual cycle and they might be 20 to 25 percent body fat again everybody is completely different so where someone else sits and again it's that whole post show how much what weight should you sit at it's completely different for each person some people might sit quite comfortably three four kilos above stage weight some people might need to sit 10 even more than that yeah and that's one of the reasons it it really gets to me when i see coaches saying you know you shouldn't be more than x amount above your stage weight or this is my client who, you know, she hasn't blown it post-show because she's sat this amount above her stage weight. And in reality, that's just not appropriate to apply as a blanket statement. And it's really detrimental to people's health because yeah. like you said, everyone will need to regain a different amount of body fat to be healthy again. Yeah. And I remember just touching on that, like, obviously like when I just two points on that, like I say, like after my show, I read something like that myself. And when I wasn't in a great mental headspace with that process of gaining body weight back me seeing that made me feel that pressure like a failure if I gained too much weight when in reality I had to gain that weight back I was never going to get yeah. my menstrual cycle back if I didn't and then also I put on a post previously of a comparison of like my stage lean to my healthy weight where I had a functioning menstrual cycle and there was another previous competitor commented on that and she was using the terms like she uses cheat meals and she's only sitting three, four kilos above her stage weight. And I was like, what message are you sending out there? For starters, her stage weight wasn't conditioned. She was still sitting a good four kilos, three kilos, four kilos off of the condition she needed for that stage, which is why she didn't place. Yeah. So then she then only gained four kilos maybe after that show. And she's sitting a normal body composition, quite lean, obviously. She looks great. But it's not, that's, again, it's not reality because, like, her stage weight wasn't anywhere near the condition of a lot of other people's. And yeah. then she's used in terms like, I have cheat meals, I have this. You know what kind of, like, cheat meals shouldn't even be a yeah. term that we use. Um, so I think there's just so many coaches out there painting this picture that, again, isn't reality and isn't constructive to people because then they're thinking, oh, I should be able to do this and I should be holding here. And it's... Yeah it's just so different and even competitors themselves like you'll know a lot of people will post pictures from when they were close to stage lean and they won't post pictures of when they're in the peak of their off season and that's not painting a realistic expectation of what has to happen post-show for you to regain health or post-diet for that matter like we said when we refer to post-show we're also referring to post-diet like some people will have to regain more body fat than others and that's okay and not what you see on social media is not always an accurate representation of what needs to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just something that I wish that I had had more appreciation of myself. Um, like to, to anybody that, you know, is going through any of these kind of stages, any of these kind of cycles, like 
just understand that like what your body might want to do or where it might feel happy and healthy is completely different to someone else and comparing yourself and contrasting that against someone who's posting you know these kind of things can really be detrimental to to the reality of the situation yeah and to finish Carly I'm going to ask you one more question so if you could go back to when you first started setting yourself fitness and physique based goals what piece of advice would you give yourself that's a lot (laughs) but yeah I would love to go back and give myself a shake for a few things but yeah I want I'd like people like I'd like to tell myself previous self that you know like food is not the enemy like life is not a constant diet reel um and you know the more you know the more that you try and force yourself to enter more than one diet phase you know the more adaptations you're creating the more negative um aspects that you're creating in your health not just from a physical standpoint but mentally as well because then you start to really demonize things and like i say like health and fitness should not uh, dictate your life it should complement it so yeah like when you train like make sure that you are training for strength you're not just trying to burn as many calories as possible make sure that you are looking at your lifts and use that as empowerment and you know seeing your body change and develop can be such a good thing and it doesn't need to be done by restricting calories and trying to look like the latest fitness model that you aspire to look like you know every, your journey is your journey your body is your body and if you work with it you will really really have some amazing um you know goals and see some a lot of change in your, your physique but when you're constantly trying to make it smaller or constantly trying to diet and you know it's not reality and you know you, the reality is most people can't have abs all year round yeah they'll try and yeah it's all these things like your your body is so much more than what it looks like um and yeah I just wish that I had had more appreciation for that because I just put so much into what it looked like over what it could do for me and then like I say just I was allowing that to dictate a lot of my worth um and it kind of took over in a really negative aspect yeah I think that's such great advice and you're so right in saying that we're all so much more than our physique it doesn't dictate our worth and it's really important to have other goals alongside physique-based goals because of that um so where can people find you on social media Carly? So I'm on uh, Instagram as Carly Malk and on uh, Facebook as Carly Malk Fitness. Perfect. I will tag those in in the description down below for anyone who wants to find Carly on social media. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you and I'm sure a lot of people will benefit from listening to this podcast. Yeah, no, it's been great. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate that as well. Thank you for listening, guys.